Well, good morning. For those of you visiting for the first time, my name's Jim Britt, one of the pastors here, at least for one more week. And um, so um, thanks so much for coming. Today's going to be a little bit uh, different day than we normally have. We're still preaching God's Word, but we're doing a few different things. So I want to just kind of explain it. Um, for those of you visiting, we're just a church made up, I think there's not a single person in the room that doesn't come from some different background. Uh, so, uh, so sometimes we have to, to reinvent words or explain words that mean different things to different people. So what are we doing today? We could call it that we're passing the baton. We could call it an installation service. We could call it an ordination. We could call it a setting apart. We could call it about nine or ten different things. The dilemma is... Um, do you know that ordination, the way that it's typically practiced in the church throughout the world today, ordination did not occur in that fashion until about two centuries after the New Testament was written, completed. So it's tough to say this is the way something should be done. In the Old Testament, words like installation or set apart were used, like when the Levites were set apart unto the ministry of their Levitical priesthood, their service, their priestly ministry, an ordination of type or an installment or setting apart occurred, and they laid hands on them. Now, laying hands look different ways. I'll use Joe as my laying hands example. Um, or maybe you, since you're texting. Okay. Um, <laughs> No, he's got a very good reason. His mom is in the hospital right now, uh, undergoing some tests. So, and by the way, it looks everything's looking okay. Who knows, George and Rita? So he's calling dad. I know what that's about. So, but it did feel good, Mike. Um, so, what are laying on of hands? Because we find that in the New Testament, we find that in the Old Testament. Well, there were two different words for that. One just meant to do this. So, in in the in wherever we're at Genesis, when we're reading about a blessing. This is what it would look like. They would just touch. The, the typical thing you think of an installation or ordination, it was a different word, and it meant to press on. Now, Matt, we're not going to press on you today. Um, but that, that's where it gets sketchy about what do we call this and how's the right way to do it. In both Testaments, with, with Israel and with the church, there's just not a lot of data, so we can't be dogmatic about the word or the methodology. Um, at times, like when they set in elders for the very first time for Israel, there was no laying on of hands. When Joshua took over from Moses, it was a superior subordinate type of thing, and hands-on were laid there. But at other times, it was by peers. At other times, it didn't happen. At other times, it was accompanied with prophecy. At times, it was not. One thing we do know, what was done was not merely, simply symbolic. It was filled with meaning, as we have discovered again and again in Genesis. And the other thing that happened, for example, with Timothy, it was both by the, the college or the group, the plurality of elders, and Paul personally. You find that in 1 Timothy. And you find that Paul's reference to that in 2 Timothy. Uh, when Paul and Barnabas were sent out, that was elders and prophets. It was, again, a collegiate thing. But it was by their peers. So there's a gob of ways to do the same thing. So today, we're not going to worry about what do we call it, what's happening, all that. What we're going to do for Matt is uh, we're going to... Steve Shank is here, which is a good, close friend of Matt's. He's been working with Sovereign Grace Churches out west predominantly for since the rocks were cool. And I mean, uh, Steve has been serving those churches. Uh, well, Steve and I are about the same age, so I can get away with that, Steve. So... Um, um, 
we're both old and we're cool with that. Um, but the thing is, Steve has been working with churches out west, actually began on the east coast, but moved out west and began working with Sovereign Grace churches out there for a very long time. Matt specifically asked that whenever we do whatever we're going to call it, can we do the following and can Steve come? So we tried to get Pat Sabell here as well. We were going to surprise Pat with Matt with that one and just have him show up and lead worship uh, and give Mr. Drago the day off. But Pat could not make it, so he does send his greetings and his regrets, Matt. But at the same time, he said, can Steve please come? So Steve is going to be sharing God's word with us for about 20 minutes out of 1 Peter. And then Aaron Osborne, we all know Aaron. He's been here before, needs no introduction. But Aaron's going to make some comments and some stuff about Matt and Julie as well. And we're doing that because we're celebrating our partnership with Sovereign Grace Ministries. So we have Steve here as an old friend and in Sovereign Grace, Matt here. Uh, Aaron here, I'm tired, Aaron here celebrating our partnership with Sovereign Grace. And then at the very end, we're going to get up, all the care group leaders, uh, Sam and now our new staff guy, uh, a new pastor, we're going to come up and in some way, shape, or form lay hands on Matt. And I'm going to ask Chris Menard to pray for Matt. Because Chris, not only is he on our interim advisory board and a care group leader, but I thought it would be appropriate because Chris has been here since day one. So how cool as we're passing the baton for that to occur. So Chris Menard is going to be praying for Matt, and then I'm going to give Matt a charge out of Scripture, and then we'll let Matt and Julie respond and say thanks. And then we're going to turn our attention then away from what we see God doing to God himself and just worship God. Because as we said when we first announced the time that we were going to make this switch, who's going to Melbourne, what is Paul? What is Apollos? It's not about who does what. It's about God who gives the growth. So we want to celebrate what God is doing in our congregation as changes are occurring. But at the end of the day, we want to turn all glory, all attention, all eyes back to Jesus. Because apart from him, we are nothing. Apart from him, we have nothing. So we want to end the day giving glory to where the glory is due. Okie doke. So that's what it's going to look like today for you, those of you visiting. Thanks so much for coming. And it's going to look a little different, but I trust it will be a good day for everybody. So Steve, without further ado, come and bring God's word, my friend. Good morning, everyone. It is, it is quite an honor to be invited to participate in such a meaningful, historic moment in the life of your church. I have known Matt and Julie uh, first when they were on staff at Sovereign Grace Church in Fairfax in 1997. From there, he went to the pastor's college, came back and served the Fairfax Church again. This longing to know God's will for his ministry life. And from there, moved to the church in Vancouver, British Columbia, where for eight years, he served that church bivocationally. He accomplished what they would say more while he was working in the marketplace than most pastors do, 
working full-time, extraordinary work ethic, extraordinary gifting. And many people still fondly remember Matt and Julie and their family and their love for them. In fact, Tony Walsh, who started that church, sent me the following email, and I would like to read that to you from Tony. Matt, it was a sad day for me and for Crossway when the Rawlings family left us for Greenville. It was doubly sad for me because of the significant role you played in our church, our leadership team, and in my life personally. I am a better man and a better pastor for having served alongside you. Though I was sad to lose you, I was glad to release you to the calling of God on your life. It does not surprise me one bit to hear how you've grown in your calling and now being installed as the senior pastor in Greenville. I am proud of you, my friend, and rejoice with you and the church this day. May the Lord richly bless you and bring much fruit from your ministry for many, many years. Your friend always, Tony, and Janice and I share that exact sentiment for the both of you. I want to offer three reminders for Matt, and I believe they have some relevance to you as a church as well. I say reminders because I know Matt already not only is aware of these things, but has modeled these things. Otherwise, Jim and your leaders would not be entrusting the steerage and oversight of this church to Matt as they are today. So if you will go with me to the book of First Peter, we're going to read the first four verses of chapter 5 and then pray and ask God to help us. First Peter chapter 5. If you're new to the Bible, it's way near the back. First Peter chapter 5 verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in my weakness, you will be strong and that you would anoint the preaching of your word with power for Jesus' sake. Thank you that right now you plead for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Three reminders that I would communicate not only to Matt in a special way, but for all of us. Number one, remember the sufferings. Remember the sufferings. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And he sure was. 
Peter was a witness. He witnessed Jesus' ministry up close. He, he witnessed his love, witnessed his healing, witnessed his preaching, witnessed his miraculous transfiguration on the Mount of Transfiguration. He witnessed his betrayal, witnessed Jesus interceding with drops of blood dripping from his face, witnessed his unimaginable sufferings, witnessed his death, his shameful death. And do you know, do you remember what Peter did during those tumultuous moments? He denied him. He disassociated himself from Jesus and three times denied having even known him. And Scripture says that when the reality set in to Peter what he had actually done and the cock crowed, he went and he wept bitterly. I bet he did. Failure has a way of doing that. So when we look at the narrative, the gospel narrative wrapping to a close in John 21. This is what we find. We find the disciples on the edge of the sea and these are the words that Peter speaks. I am going fishing. You just get this feel that this man is despondent. He realizes he has denied his master, denied his loving Lord. He has failed him. Once this brash follower of Jesus who said, I'll never leave you. Sure enough, forsakes him and disassociates with him. I'm going back fishing. Once Jesus said, hey, you'll be a fisher of men with me. Now any hope of that in Peter's mind, likely gone. Why? Because he denied the Lord in the most vulnerable moment of his life. Not once, but three times reiterated, I don't even know him. Some commentators even indicate that Peter was going back to his prior profession. Or was he? Because while they're on the boat, there's a figure on the shore. And he's making a breakfast of fish. And once they realize who it is, and they make their way to shore, Jesus highlights a conversation with Peter in particular. Remember, he denied him three times. Now, he is going to ask him the same question three times. His way of removing that failure moment from Peter's mind. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. See, even people who love the Lord do sinful things. Even people who love the Lord do foolish things. Even people who love the Lord do things they regret and say hurtful things. Only Jesus has been, as we've sung, obedient to death. Even disciples who in a brief moment even walked on water. And I would say even pastors. They are not omnipotent. You are not omnipotent. They are, we are, flawed, limited men. And Peter... It has this question thrown to him three times. 
feed, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Take your love for me and translate it into a love for my sheep. You who was a failure, I am now re-enlisting you into my service. You who disassociated yourself, you who distanced yourself, you who denied me, I am now bringing you into my service. Certainly, this whole narrative, this whole scenario was going through Peter's mind as he's exhorting the elders, remember the sufferings of Christ? Remember that whole two-week, week period? How could these dramatic events not be going through Peter's mind as he reviews his history? Pastors make mistakes. Pastors make more poor judgments. Pastors preach sermons that afterwards they hope no one in the church will ever remember again. They preach sermons that as they drive home, it seems like all the demons in hell are in the car with him at that moment saying, I think we're safe. (laughs) Matt, remember the sufferings. Remember the moment when you experienced regenerating grace. Remember the moment when Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But remember also the grace and mercy and forbearance that he extended to Peter. He extended to you as well. You haven't denied him, but we've all failed him. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And this is indispensable for a pastor to know Remember how many times Jesus has been long-suffering with you. How many times He has been gracious to you when Jesus was merciful to you when you were given a second chance. This will keep you from being a harsh pastor. This will keep you from being an impatient pastor. It will keep you from being a self-righteous pastor. And it will shape how you help the Lord's sheep and lambs when they feel they can hardly put one foot in front of another another day. Peter walked with a limp by the reminder of his failure, failure and his frailties. But in that, it strengthened him. Remember the sufferings of Christ. Number two, remember the sheep. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock. The association is between shepherd and sheep. We are all sheep. Sheep of his pasture. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Remember the assignment being given to you today, Matt. Remember the sheep. Your service is that of a shepherd. You are not being given the position of senior leader, senior educator, senior manager, senior lecturer, but senior pastor. Therefore, pray for your flock. Your flock does not need a silver-tongued Apollos that can peel the wallpaper off the walls by simply giving the announcements. What they need every week is to see Jesus. 
They need to be taken into deeper depths of understanding and comprehension of the incarnation. They need to understand the person and work of Jesus for them. They need to stand on the shore and have Jesus speak to them words of hope. So feed your flock. Feed your flock with the Word of God. No matter where you are in Scripture, make sure you remind them where Calvary stands. Protect the flock with God's truth. The Gospel guide your flock towards an ever-deepening understanding of Jesus and an experience of Jesus being personal and real in their life. Notice this also says, among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Pastoral ministry, Matt, as you know, is a relational ministry. That word among you doesn't only imply proximity, but it, it means familiarity. When a shepherd had a flock and this flock was small enough, he would actually have names for each of the sheep. Obviously not possible with a larger flock. But there was a familiarity with his sheep. It wasn't a professional orator. It was a shepherd after his own heart. Famous British actually was born in Wales, but wound up his ministry in Britain. Famous preacher by the name of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. When he was preparing his sermon, before he would deliver that sermon for that Sunday... He had a discipline that he would apply himself to. He had been in God's Word. He had studied. He had got the manuscript. He had gotten the truth. But he would discipline himself to remember the sheep. And he would walk down each pew in his mind. And he would remember Mrs. Baker, who two weeks ago became a widow. And he would remember Mr. Thomas, who once again succumbed to the evils of alcoholism. He would remember Mr. Smith, who just lost his job. He would remember young Jeremy in a freak accident at, worst, at, at work, was blinded. He, he would remember Mrs. Johnson who seems day after day, week after week, lives with the gloom of hopelessness and despair and aimlessness and depression. It wasn't enough for him simply to take truth that he got in the high tower of his office. But he remembered the sheep. Matt, remember when you stand at this podium and preach faithfully God's word, the sheep. Those who come with circumstances they didn't anticipate. With circumstances and situations that are beyond their ability to know how to decide. And be a faithful minister of God's word to them. And then third, remember the shepherd. Remember the sufferings. Remember the sheep. Remember the shepherd. Remember the chief shepherd. Notice when he says... When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfrating crown of glory. Notice in verse 1 where he says, um, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. It seemed as if Peter lived with one foot in eternity. 
He lived aware that this life is so brief, so momentary, and one day he would be in the physical presence of the chief shepherd again. And so twice he makes reference of the future glory, the future eternity on the other side of death. Remember the shepherd that awaits you. Remember the shepherd that you are representing. Remember the shepherd that is anointing you for this task. Remember the shepherd that has a crown of reward and glory for you. It seems like meeting Jesus was on his mind. Likewise, it should be on our mind as a pastor preaches a passage of Scripture that might not be the most popular of our culture or offers counsel in a situation that might not immediately been appreciated. Those things cannot be the overarching motivation of what we're doing. Have one foot in eternity, Matt. Have one foot aware that in a blink of an eye, we will be before the chief shepherd. Now, every Christian gets rewards. You have rewards. He has gone and prepared a place for us. We have an inheritance in Christ. There are rewards that he has won for us, but there are also rewards commensurate with our obedience and our service. And Peter seems to be thinking, seems to be implying that there is some maybe unique crown of reward and glory for those who do not serve under compulsion, do not serve for shameful game, do not domineer, but represent Jesus before his people. So, a brief exhortation and to conclude. Matt, remember the sufferings. Go back to that moment often and remind yourself of the mercy that you have received. Not only in terms of your initial regeneration and salvation, but throughout your ministry career, throughout your Christian walk, how many times can you look back and say, God was merciful to forgive me. God was merciful to intervene. God was merciful to overwrite my mistakes. Remember the sufferings. Second, remember the sheep. Your primary tools for your job are prayer and the word, and as Peter says here, your example. Be among your flock. Carry them on your heart so that when you have truth given to you from the word in your study, by the time you step into this pulpit, you are thinking of Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones and the young man. And then remember the chief shepherd who awaits something and he awaits with something for you on the other side. He is not unjust to forget your service to the saints. Octavius Winslow, one of my favorite devotional authors, said the following, to neutralize the doubts, dissipate the fears, and confirm the faith of a single believer in Christ. This aiding him to place his foot upon another and higher rung of heaven's ladder is a work worthy of a life. What you're being entrusted to, Matt, you have already displayed. You have borne fruit now in three churches 
and you will now lead this one into the next chapter of its future and one day someone will replace you. It is a work worthy of your life. Amen. Well, good morning. Steve, thank you. It's a word not only for Matt, but for us all. Thank you. Uh, This is my second opportunity to be with you, and I was talking to my son Bennett uh, last year when I made my first visit. He had his very first hockey game, and he scored two goals that weekend, and he, he had a game yesterday, and he scored two goals. So, Matt, I'm requesting that you allow me to come and visit with you sometimes for the sake of my son's hockey career. It seems to be working out. I come to Greenville, and he he lights the lamp, as they say, in hockey. Uh, Well, in just thinking about our partnership and our relationship together, I just want to say at the outset, you know, my being here today, it doesn't add anything by way of formality or, or authority, because no such things exist. But hopefully it does relationally, and hopefully demonstrates... Uh, the joy I feel and, and that I, I, I believe Matt feels as well. We all feel pastorally together in, in being a part of a family of churches that's, that's building relationships beyond the ins and outs of ministry, doing life together uh, as pastors and as churches. And so it's just a joy to be here for that reason this morning. And I was thinking about this from Ephesians 6, uh, these two verses near the end of Ephesians, verses 21 and 22, where Paul says, As he's concluding his thoughts, he says, So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. I think about those two verses. I think, you know, that's about the best description I know of what our partnership is really about. Uh, And and in, in this closing section of Ephesians, Paul just seems to draw some things out. Uh, First relationship, he says, so that you also may know how I am. And then he later is going to say how you are. He wants to know how they are, and he knows they want to know how he is. I think that's that's been my experience all these years in this family of churches, and I I think that's what Matt and I were doing yesterday over a long lunch, uh, just relating together, talking, how are you? And it's always mutual. It's not a one-way thing where I'm asking someone and I'm not getting asked in return. Uh, It's personal. It's very relational. And then to continue that last night over enchiladas. Uh, You know, Julie with five children had time to also make five pans of enchiladas. Uh, Was it five? Five pans of enchiladas. Uh, Some of us were very, very hungry. Uh, but, But again, just being in one another's homes and relating together or talking with Matt's girls this morning saying, you know, my daughter Ellie is right in between you two, so I need to talk to your dad when you're in Florida, when you're in Orlando, that we could get together uh, because it's about relationship. And it's defined by the gospel as well. He says how I am and what I am doing. Well, we, we know what Paul was doing. It was all about the work of the gospel, the spread of the gospel, the advance of the gospel, and that's really at the heart of what today represents. Matt, Matt is taking the baton of senior pastor here because Jim and Corey are going out to further the spread of the gospel in Melbourne, Florida. It's a, it's a gospel-driven 
partnership. That is, that is what informs why we interact together. What, it, it's, it's not about a lot of other things that are important, secondaries. Uh, it's about the gospel and an advance of that gospel. And finally, it, it's pastoral. In verse 22, he says, I, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may again know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And isn't that really the heart of pastoral ministry, to encourage, to build up, to equip, to, to further on one another in Jesus Christ? And, and that, that's really what informs and drives uh, any time we're together as pastors or as pastors and wives, is how can we be together to encourage one another, to, to uh, share in one another's burdens, to share in one another's joy. And so I just, I love that very personal picture at the end of Ephesians, that, that it's not about business, it's not about formality, it's about life together, it's about relationship. And so even within our partnership together uh, next week, uh, Matt and Julie, uh, the others on the pastoral team uh, will we'll be together next week in Orlando as pastors and wives spending 24 hours together to encourage one another, to get updates on one another. One of my favorite parts of that whole time will be just watching the couples have meals together, relating and building together. And then we'll transition out of that into a, a, a conference for uh, leaders in our local churches, love one another, just to be together, to encourage one another. Uh, and, and later this summer, uh, I was just with uh, Adam Greenfield. He's a pastor in Fort Lauderdale. And Darren uh, McKinney, a pastor in St. Pete. Uh, we were together to go look at the camp in Melrose, Florida. Wow, is that a different part of Florida if you've ever been to Melrose. <laughs> it's very different from Orlando. But the camp that we're going to uh, hold, a youth camp for all who would like to participate within our region of churches, uh, we were there to begin to make plans for that. Uh, and, and we trust to have kids and their parents who come who will be there to be encouraged. And so it's all about relationship. And I'm, I'm grateful for the beginnings of our relationship uh, to have Jim literally about an hour away uh, from where I am in Orlando. Uh, this, this is a joy to be together. And you know, for all the refinements and changes as a family of churches we need to go through, I'm grateful that this is at the heart of who we are, uh, building relationally together. So Matt, look forward to how God will continue that in you uh, the church here, the new church in Melbourne, us in Orlando, and on and on and on. I look forward to seeing what God does. So it's great to be here today. Well, Matt, um, today I've been looking forward to. And uh, so come on up, buddy. And uh, Sam, Aaron, if you join me, care group leaders, if you would join us as well. Steve and Aaron, if you come on up too. And uh, now we'll just put the guys behind you, and we'll put you front and center right here. And uh, Katie, if you could block that out. Well, before we pray, Matt, there's uh, just want to charge you from Scripture about your new responsibility for this church. 
Out of 1 Timothy 4, Matt, you are to command and teach all things relating to be Christ's disciple, the gospel. Matt, let no one despise you for your youth. And Timothy was probably just a couple of years younger than you. He was in his mid-30s as well. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. So by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Out of 1 Peter 5. Shepherd this flock of God that is among you along with the other elders, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering those over you, those over you in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And Matt, like Steve said, more importantly, like God's word says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray, Chris. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Uh, We first of all thank you for your son who you sent to die on a cross for us to redeem us from our sins. I thank you, Lord, that you called Matt, that you called Julie before the foundation of the world to be yours, that you've made them your children. I thank you, Lord, that you have called them to come to Greenville. You brought them to Greenville and how they've served us so well these last couple of years. Lord, we look forward to the many years of service in the future, Lord God. We thank you that they would take on this call, this, this high calling to serve us. Lord, I pray you would help Matt as he leads us as a senior pastor. Help him to lead with humility. I pray, Lord, that he would walk in your strength and not his own. Focused on your words. Rooted in your words. Help him to balance leading the church, leading his family, leading his wife, and serving his family. Lord, I pray that he would do all things well. Lord, uh, help him, as Steve said, to, help, to be a shepherd, to remember his flock. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give him clarity of mind, to clarity in understanding scripture and teaching. Lord, I pray you would help him, as, for, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, uh, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I re- also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And I pray that this would be what Matt would stand on and preach from continually, remind us of the gospel of your son. So just uh, be with him today. Strengthen him. 
and be with him from this day forward. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, none of this would be happening uh, apart from Julie. <laughs> so Julie, if you please join Matt, and we would like to recognize you. You're invaluable. Matt, you've got to stand up. I'll get used to it. No, 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 no. Julie, got to come back. Inside that card, on the outside of that card, there's a, a map to Asheville. Because uh, behind your back, everyone here has been giving money for a number of weeks to send the two of you away when your schedule permits um, to go up to Asheville and get some time away, just the two of you. So it'll be a great time. Well, my friend, um, I just could not be more proud of you. And uh, I trust you feel everybody's love and everybody's support. So praise God. So cheers, man. (laughs) She was asking, can I sit down? She's like, sure, go ahead and sit down. Talk about awkward, by the way. Um, <laughs> it is uh, very awkward. I want to, though, um, read a couple things to you and then um, redirect our attention back to God, where I think um, really our um, attention needs to be as a church, not on me. Um, but I am feeling a bit awkward. I, I can relate in a teeny way, uh, in the way that Paul said, in the weakness. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, and, uh, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. And I can guarantee you that I will not come with lofty speech or wisdom. It says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's my prayer, is that all of us together would know Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and I can guarantee those things to you. <laughs> I'll be with you in weakness and in fear and trembling. And my speech, my message, Paul says, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's my prayer, is that your faith would not rest in me or any man. That's, that's really my prayer this morning, is that your faith would rest in the power of God, See, that's what's brought us all here. It's, it's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's saved each and every one here. And that's, that's what my confidence is this morning. And I, I wanted to say a, a couple things. I, I have a short memory, so I, I have to have notes. So, <laughs> um, Boy, first is just thank you. Uh, thank you to all of you in the church. Thanks to Steve. Uh, 
Thank you for your ministry up close and personal from back in 97 in Fairfax. And back then I first saw the value of being together in partnership in the gospel and with other churches and having guys like Steve and Aaron and other guys help establish and build up local churches. And actually the first comical moment with Steve was I was sitting beside him in a meeting and, and uh, he, was, he was from Virginia Beach, so he didn't wear socks back then. And uh, <laughs> he had taken off his shoes and he was wagging his foot there, sitting there. And I thought, hey, I can relate to this guy. He's normal. He's real. <laughs> and he's also wise and full of care. And uh, I, think, I think from then it just endeared me. Um, I've been blessed by Steve's counsel, wisdom, discernment, and care all along the way as we went to Vancouver to help plant the church there. He was instrumental in was asking his advice about, I feel like the subjective sense the Lord's calling us back to um, the East Coast, maybe South Carolina or Florida, not really sure. And, um, and, and Steve was really instrumental in pointing us in the right direction. And so thank you, man. I'm honored you be here today. And Aaron, thanks for caring for our region and the growing friendship that we have. And through the past year, all decisions about Jim and my future and what best serve our church and, and the region together. So I'm looking forward to, like you said, continuing our gospel partnership together and um, seeing what God might do in the southeast to establish even more churches. Because don't we want to be a church that is a sending church that plants more churches that we have an opportunity not only next week to send out Jim and Corey to plant a church in Melbourne. I would love to see us continue to send out men, to send out people to plant churches. And so I'm excited about that, excited about our partnership for that reason. That's great. Looking forward to that. Jim, thank you for moving here to start this church. Next week we have a chance, I was torn, next week we have a chance to appropriately thank Jim, send him out. Um, if you're visiting with us, I'm sorry, these are weird two weeks. Um, but um, thank you for your friendship, thanks for being humble and uh, pursuing God in this decision, trusting and supporting me all along the way. And uh, I'm grateful that we'll have plenty of time, like I said, next week to pray for you, send you off onto your church plant and, and support you and continue to hopefully support you and have a relationship with you from afar. Um, wherever Aaron and Colleen are, I think uh, they're somewhere here. Oh, there he is, oh, <laughs> right in front of me. <laughs> well, there we go. See, weakness, fear. <laughs> You're already seeing it. Um, <clears throat> thanks for your friendship over the past 14 years, man. And thanks for being willing to relocate here and leave all your family. Aaron's family is all in Richmond. His parents are there, his brother's there, and all his relationships are there. So thanks for being willing to leave your family and relocate here and I'm excited for our church to get to know Aaron like um, we know him. So uh, wherever Sam is and all the care group leaders, our interim advisory team, thanks to you guys and, and your support in making the decision. I'm glad our church is not about, here's the cool thing, all those guys that were behind me, that's, that's really who's caring for the church. And um, we couldn't do church without leaders, without people, without every member doing their part, everyone sharing their gifts, a part of the body of Christ. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing in and through everyone as everyone uses their gifts. And I'm grateful for the care group leaders and for the interim advisory team help us make these decisions and, and uh, coming alongside helping care for the church. To the church, um, thank you for your care, your friendship, your support. Um, we've loved being here. It feels like we've been here forever, but just got here yesterday too. Um, we've been here almost this, this coming August. It will be five years, and it has flown by. Um, it has been wonderful how God has knit our hearts to you, and um, we love you. feel like your family. And uh, so we're really excited about this journey together. And as we make this transition, though, I want to redirect our confidence to God. Because I'm confident in God. I'm excited about the future of this church 
because of all of you, because of the work that God has done in each and every one of you, and confident because God's great love for us. We sang this morning about being sons and daughters, and I'm confident because he's adopted us as sons and daughters, confident because Jesus Christ died and was risen to save a people to be his bride. And I'm confident because why? Jesus loves his bride. He loves the church. And he's in the process of making all of us more like him. And I'm glad that we get to go through that process together of being made more like him as he is constantly perfecting us and making us into his image. Um, That was cool how Steve was talking about Peter was aware of that final day when we all will receive an inheritance. That's why we can have confidence. And we all can remember, as Steve encouraged me, but I think really all of us, to remember the sufferings of Christ, to remember that Christ died for us, to remember our Savior. And it's not me, and it's not any man. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified, who is now risen and reigning and and sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. That's why we can, together as a church, be confident for whatever whatever the future holds for any of us. I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to continue to, I'm excited, looking forward to seeing how God's going to continue to enable every member of the church to do their part as they serve, as all of you serve with the gifts that God has given you. God's given each each and every one of us gifts by his Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to use the gifts of the body to encourage one another, build up the church, and hopefully plant other churches as well, spread the gospel, make disciples. I'm confident in the future of our church because we're going to continue. Here's here's what I'll guarantee you. We're going to continue to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Isn't that exciting? We get to build on on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And as we close, I think it's appropriate to reflect back on, on what we're all about as a church body from Ephesians 2. You can even turn there if you like. Ephesians 2, 11. Ephesians 2.11, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time, this is all of us, at one time all of us were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. At one time, that was each and every one of us. Here's the wonderful news. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Let that encourage you this morning. Who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. No hostility against us remains for all those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit. All of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, this is to all of us, 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Isn't that exciting? We together are are being built into him. We're being built into a dwelling place, a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. I'm excited about the future of our church, and this is why. Because we're building on the chief cornerstone. He's building us together into him, making us, us feeble, weak people that we are, into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. That is, that is amazing truth. I, I don't know more on a more appropriate place to end, and I, I think from here we're going to have some, a, a song in worship, but I want to pray and just thank God for what he's done in our church and in each and every one of our lives. So let's pray together. And actually, the band, you can go ahead and come up while I'm praying. Father, thank you that we have a firm foundation, and it is in one person. It's in Jesus Christ as our chief cornerstone. Thank you that that's where our hope is. God, thank you that each and everyone here who has placed their faith and trust in you and you alone, that, Lord, that we are no longer strangers and we're no longer alienated from you. Let's remember, Lord, I pray that we remember your sufferings. Father, I pray that we remember that we're fellow citizens with your son and saints and members of your household. God, thank you for joining our local body together. Thank you that you are building us together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, and that depends on no man. God, I pray that we all would honor you, that we would keep you at the center of all that we do. God, I pray that any honor we would we would turn that to you, Lord. You are the giver of all good gifts, Lord. All honor, all glory, all praise belongs to you and you alone. Thank you, God, that you don't share. You don't share that with anyone else, Lord. You, you want us to worship you and you alone. So, Father, I pray that we as a church, each and every member here, as each one of us does our part with the gifts that you have given, God, I pray that we would glorify your name, that we would be a light in a dark world. I pray that you would enable each and every one of us to be disciples and followers of you that would keep you ever before us, to help us make disciples and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.